Hi, everyone. My name is Kate. And this is Indigo. And you're listening to ArtWise. Hello, everyone. Welcome to ArtWise Podcast. Today, I have with me Indigo. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell everyone what you're all about, what your expertise is, and what you're here on ArtWise to talk about today. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks for having me, Kate. Also, first, I just want to say that I love the intro song. It feels so you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> Perfect. But yeah, I'm Indigo. I own a design, marketing, and branding business called Indigo Marigold Design. And I really love working with impact-driven business owners. So like anyone who is leading with the intention to make a positive impact on the world and then profits are a byproduct of that. Those are the kind of people I really love working with and I offer branding help in the form of coaching, visual design, and illustration. And I also offer eco-friendly packaging and merchandise design. And yeah, Kate and I met in a design school together. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So we do know each other. I know that's rare on ArtWise. Usually it's the first time I'm ever talking to the person. <laughs> yeah, um, usually. This is one of those episodes that's an exception. Uh, I do really quick before we get too far into the episode. Uh, if anyone can hear the rain behind me, this just might be one of those ASMR episodes. Uh, I can't <laughs> control the weather. Yeah, it rains all the time. I live in Florida. So <laughs> my sincerest apologies to anybody who can hear the rain in the background hopefully my micro 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 settings i was gonna say microphone settings but my brain has been combining words the past couple days for some (laughs) some reason but my microphone settings usually are are pretty good but hopefully you guys can't hear it Uh, but if you can enjoy the relaxing rain and thunderstorm sounds (laughs) (laughs) yeah that sounds nice i kind (laughs) of wish i could hear it i can't hear it from my end (laughs) yeah yes it's definitely weather outside <laughs> right now. You can't execute your witchy powers to turn it off, Kate. <laughs> uh, I could try. My cat is just sitting there, like enjoying the relaxing <laughs> yeah. rain. I'm like staring out the window right now. Yeah, that sounds really cozy. Yeah, she looks cozy. I don't know. If you guys are watching the video version of this, you can see Miss Knives laying in the window behind me. <laughs> She's just so cute. Relaxing. She's the best. She's like the artwise mascot. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad like earlier she was just getting on my desk and sitting directly in front of my camera and just staring. <laughs> she, she usually likes to do that some episodes, but the past few episodes we've been lucky that she hasn't disrupted our <laughs> our conversation. She knows she's the mascot. She's like, I'm here. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So I do ask everyone this. It's the first question that everyone gets asked. No one gets by it. (laughs) I want to know your origin story. Uh, Tell us about your journey as a designer, as an illustrator, as a creative. How did your journey begin? Like your Batman origin story? Like how did you figure out that this was what you wanted to do? I love it. It's a great question. Yeah, it's been a windy path for me. So when I was a kid, 
I was obsessed with art, arts and crafts, like always making something, building something, drawing, all all the things and playing around on Photoshop. And yeah, I so it was looking back, it was apparent pretty early on that I would get into design, but I took a really windy route to get back to it because basically when I was in high school, I knew I was creative and I was also very intelligent and good at science and math. And so what I was told was that art, the the messages I received was that art is not a real job and you can't get paid for creativity and like that you can't make a living that way. And so I thought it was the wise thing to do to follow a more studious route because I had the ability to do that. So I actually went to college for engineering. I studied environmental engineering and I got a degree in that. And about halfway through, I was pretty miserable and knew that it wasn't the right path for me but at that point I'd just been so like my creativity had been totally shut down for years I was just so out of whack with who I really was and so I finished off the degree not knowing what I wanted to do but at some point along the way I was starting to realize that I wanted to have my own business I wanted the freedom that I knew that that would entail and so I worked engineering to job for a couple of years and just saved up as much money as I could. And then um, actually, February 2020, very funny timing. <laughs> it was like one month ahead of <laughs> of COVID, I decided to quit my job. I just randomly woke up one day and it was so clear to me that it was time to leave and go off and reawaken my creativity and just, yeah, pursue art that I took a big leap and I left the job not fully knowing what I wanted to do instead and just trusted that feeling and then yeah so then now the past what three and a half years I've been exploring all the different avenues of art and creativity and really trying different things on and and figuring out what I wanted to do. I I initially started with doing pet portraits. Um, I had an Etsy business doing custom watercolor pet portraits. Um, A a friend of mine came to me right before I quit my job and paid me to do one for her for a Christmas present. And it was it was just that little reassurance that I needed to just see, okay, people, there's someone who's willing to pay me for my art. So surely other people will be willing to. So yeah, that gave me the little boost I needed. And yeah, I, I've, I, I've been doing design pretty much since then, but I didn't fully commit to it until maybe about two years ago. But yeah, it just kept it kept coming up and people kept asking me if I could design their logo or create an illustration for them. Um, So yeah, I went from like painting and physical art and eventually went digital. I got an iPad and started playing around on Procreate and I just absolutely fell in love with illustration. And so that, yeah, that moved me more into what I am doing now, but yeah, it's taken a lot of trial and error and exploring and just trusting the process to to get here. 
Yeah, I definitely, I relate to so much of your story. Um, <laughs> so I've, I have kind of a similar experience, especially with being really into like science and kind of the more, I don't even know how to describe it, like less creative and more like logic and like school driven type stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I know that a lot of people on ArtWise who come on ArtWise have a similar story. And it's like, it's just so sad. I And the, it's part of the reason why I started this podcast to begin with is like to show people that there are so many, like we're coming up on episode 100 here pretty soon. And there are just so many people out there who get, not only do they get paid, but they get paid like very well to be creative. And I feel like, you know, I and I, I know you've had probably a similar experience, but I remember going into like my my high school guidance counselor's office and her kind of yelling at me because I kind of like similar to your experience. I, I was just happened to be really good at math and chemistry specifically. <laughs> and I had taken all of these super advanced science classes up until my senior year. I was like, okay, actually, I want to be an artist. So I'm just going to take easy classes now. Nice. And it was so funny because I, I went into my, my guidance counselor's little office and she was like, so you went from this high level college calculus class and now you're taking math one <laughs> and she was like help me to understand why you went backwards and I said well I went to one of the advisors at the college because I did dual enrollment like all through high school and I was like oh, I, nice. I went to one of the advisors at the college and I said what is the lowest level math class you can give me that I will still get a credit to graduate with my associate's degree and they said math one and so I just took <laughs> math one and she was like but you're going you realize you're going backwards and I said I know I did it on purpose and she said well what are you going to major in when you graduate and I said well I just want to be an artist I'm probably not even going to go you know to college I'm going to finish what I started I'm going to finish my associate's degree but I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, get a bachelor's. And her face was just like, why would you do that? <laughs> and she was, I remember she said to me, man, she said, what, what a waste. And I was so Whoa. mad. I was like, she was like, what a waste of all this stuff. And I'm like, this is part of why I feel like art wise and podcasts like it and platforms like it. And all of the people that are out there talking about, their career as a creative, I think it's so important because like we can't keep reiterating to literal children like in high school who are trying to figure out what they want to do that they can never do something that they love. Like they have to do something quote unquote like important, like as if art isn't everywhere that we look <laughs> and like people don't get paid everywhere yeah. to do art and to be creative. It's just, yeah, it's it's so important because I resonate. I know a lot of our listeners definitely resonate with being told that being a creative isn't an option. And especially, I feel like it's especially hard for people who are like, like you, like naturally very smart, very gifted and like the sciences and like those types of things, because people will try to say, oh, but you're so good at this. Yeah. You know, but you're yeah. so good at this. Why don't you do this? And it's like, just because you're good at something doesn't mean that's what you're meant to do. You know? Totally. So... When we were when I was planning this episode, 
for you, and I was writing down all of your questions, you have mentioned in your application the challenge of having numerous creative ideas and the struggle to maintain focus on one thing and just to kind of see it through. So I was just curious because I know a lot of our listeners definitely struggle with with that. How do you personally manage this aspect of your creativity while ensuring that you're able to commit to a focused direction And specifically, I was wondering how you do this in the context of branding. Yeah, thanks for asking. So I would say this is what inspired me to get into branding and help people with this because after, like I described, being on this windy path of being a, a creative and trying so many different things and feeling creative but very scattered, I realized, especially in the context of running a business and wanting to make a living via your art, I realized how important it is to focus and make it really clear to other people what you offer. And so what worked for me that I encourage clients to do now too is to get really clear on what what you do best and and where that intersects with what you love to do. And so I try to for myself and for clients, like, help us all get really clear on that overlap of what lights us up and what feels really fun and natural and inspiring. And then also be really clear on how we want to help people and like the impact that we want to make in people's lives and how those can work together. And so... So yeah, and yeah, so for the context of branding, with branding and marketing, it's just clarity is what is so important. And so I have committed to offering three services, and I'm capping it at that. (laughs) And I've just been learning to really appreciate the process of mastery and really improving my skills with one specific service and way of helping people. I know, I'm sure so many other creatives can relate to just the joy and excitement of starting new projects and trying new things. And I give myself that flexibility in my hobbies. And um, so I think that's really helpful too. Like if you're trying to run a business that's creative having the discipline to be focused within the business but then giving yourself the freedom in your free time so like for example I crochet I got into crocheting this year and I have I have probably five or six crochet projects going on at once and like I'm just constantly starting new ones rather than finishing because it's fun to just learn something new and I give myself the freedom there because it doesn't matter, right? I'm just doing it for fun. And so I think it's also helpful to like find, figure out where it's important to be disciplined, like when running a business and serving other people versus if it's just for fun and allowing yourself that freedom. I feel like that's such a good piece of advice because I I've noticed a lot of, a lot of creatives who come on this podcast and talk to me, their whole focus is is like 
either if they're a freelancer, it's like their whole focus is on their business. And if they're not a freelancer, their whole focus is on their job. Because if they're working like a nine to five, they don't have really any time to do something else. But I've noticed for for me, too, when I have like a side project that I don't feel as inclined to be super disciplined with, I notice that it's a lot easier for me to be more disciplined within my business because I do have freedom in other places. I have so many side projects going on and a lot of them are half finished and I'm not, you know, some of them I sometimes I'm like, I really do got to finish that. Like I have that thought, but then I'm just always like, well, you know, if, if the time comes and oh something else that I do that I really like and I don't know if you do this but I (laughs) I'll be like okay if I'm meant to finish this project this week like this side project that's not really for money or anything like it's just for me to be creative like if I'm meant to finish the side project clear up the next two days of of my calendar for me and then if a client will like cancel a call or something I'll know that that's a sign like okay I do actually need to work on this it is a little bit more important (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Having that conversation with life. I literally did that this, this week. I had, I had a, like a client project that it was due um, today. Actually, I finished it early. I finished it yesterday. And I was like, all right, if this client gives me something else to do before the end of the weekend, then I just won't, you know, spend time because I'm writing a book right now. I haven't told anyone that. Oh my gosh. And now I'm saying it publicly. Oh, scary. (laughs) It's, I want it. I want it to come out in December, but I have been kind of playing with the idea of sending it to like publishers. And I don't know if I want to self publish or not yet because the book itself is almost done. But like my goal is like December or like into early next year is when to have it like finished and out by. But I was thinking about it and I just wrote it down and I was like, well, universe, if I'm supposed to finish this book, clear up the rest of my weekend. And then my client who usually always has something like lined up for me, like once I finish one project, she's always like, okay, I have something else for you, which is awesome. It's so nice. She was like, I actually don't have anything for you. So like, enjoy the rest of your week and your weekend. And I was like, Okay, guess I'm working on my book this weekend. (laughs) Cool, I love it. Yeah, so it's definitely, I mean, I know not everybody believes in like the universe or like a god or like things kind of controlling things around you, but I think it's definitely funny to play with the idea of like just putting it out there. If I'm meant to do this, then this will happen in order to make it easier for me to do this. And then for me, yeah. I've noticed it does happen that way. A lot of the times, if I just say it out loud, like in my room by myself, like if I'm meant to do this, then clear up this so that this can be easier and I don't have to overwork myself. It always mm-hmm. works out somehow. It's, it's pretty so magical. <laughs> it's definitely, it's definitely magical thinking for sure. I, yeah. I'm a big fan of magical thinking. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> so, something else I wanted to ask you too, and I know that you've recently moved into. Are you in a, an apartment now? Yeah. Congratulations. Thank Yay. you. But Thank I know you. that you you used to operate out of a solar powered off-grid camper van that you built yourself and I was wondering how operating a business and running a business out of that unique workspace influenced your creative process and the energy that you brought into 
into your projects. And now that you're kind of getting settled in like one more stable place, how has that transition looked for you? Mm, Yeah, that's a great question. That's a fun one. It's really interesting because both scenarios, there's pros and cons to and different benefits versus not benefits. Um, So one of the one of my original inspirations to build out the van and move into it was because I really wanted to focus on my business and really dive into discovering what I really was meant to focus on. I got the van when I was in that phase of just like, trying all these different creative things and not really sure what I wanted to do, but also feeling like I'm ready, I'm ready to be serving people and making money. And I really just wanted to focus. And I was in a couple of different living situations where I had roommates and it just felt very distracting. And I just really didn't, I was really struggling to focus. And so one of my initial intentions with the van was to get out there and isolate in nature while still having the freedom to go back in town and not fully committing to, you know, just like moving into a cabin in the woods. Um, And so giving myself that freedom. But I would say that having the ability to move my house into isolation out in the woods anytime I wanted to focus was huge for me. It was really, really, really powerful um, because yeah, I could, I could just get out there with no distractions. And also being isolated in nature was so calming and so inspiring. And that's where I really learned to hear my intuition more and just like, hear what I really wanted deep down. And so yeah, that was that was really wonderful. So the focusing was beneficial and and nature was really inspiring too like if you look back in my instagram feed at all the illustrations i've made you can you can tell where i was when i made that because it matches the nature of the scenery around me so yeah my illustration art feels very inspired by nature and i feel like my style really developed through traveling and having different scenery changes because a lot of the lines that I draw and the textures are inspired by what I see in nature. And so in different places, rocks have different edges and there's different shapes of plants and stuff. So yeah, it definitely helped me refine my illustration style too. What I would say was challenging in the van was, I mean, probably the number one challenge with running a business in a van is getting internet, (laughs) especially if you're out in remote places. So I would really have to try to plan my way around that. I had an app on my phone that roughly told me where I would have cell service. It was like a map and it tried to show, but it wasn't the most accurate. And so, yeah, that was a challenge. And what else? Also, just not having a workspace set. I would have to, anytime I wanted to work, I would have to get set up or like I I would have to take out my tripod and set up my filming stuff. And so it was definitely challenging not having that designated workspace. And also living on the road, there's just a lot of unexpected things that come up that can take time away from focus and routine. So yeah, and then since being back, being in an apartment now, 
I would say, yeah, having just the consistency, it's, it's making it a lot easier to stick to routines. And I love having my designated workspace with the standing desk and the walking pad. <laughs> That's been really, really awesome. And yeah, just things feeling easier. Like it's just easier to meet my basic needs not living in a van. And so yeah, the ease of routine is really helpful. And the consistent internet connection is nice too. What I would say is different is that I don't feel as connected to nature. And yeah, it's that was my resistance to moving out of the van for a while. And Eventually, I really want to be living out on land in a tiny home. Um, this is more of a in-between phase because that connection to nature is really important to me. Um, and so I do my best to go outside and go for walks a lot and sit in the park, but it's not the same. It's definitely not the same as living out on national forest land and being fully immersed. And so it's weird. Like I've been it feels like my body's been adjusting back to being in a more concrete building and <laughs> in a town. So, yeah, I would say those are those are the big things. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to hear too. So you I've I I think most people have at one point or another had to live with roommates or to have to live with like kind of random people to kind of split the bills and get by. I definitely have going from living with other people to like being just kind of alone by yourself on the road and to now being alone in an apartment, how was that challenging? Or were, were you able, ably, <laughs> easily able, I don't know why I keep combining words today, easily <laughs> able to make the transition from having people around to just like being in solitude? And do you think that helped or do you think that hindered you? Hmm. So I I lived in a studio apartment before, so I had already had that experience. Mm, and okay. I'm definitely someone who really enjoys my alone time. <laughs> and yeah, it just feels like I can be more in my own world of creativity. Like I'm sure, you know, being an artist, we just have such deep inner worlds. So that part has actually felt somewhat easy for me I I already knew that yeah I I loved living alone and I missed it however I do love people <laughs> I still do love having people around I I suppose I just really like being that to be more when I invited in and the more standard is I'm doing my own thing but all that to say what was challenging was being nomadic and not living in a town and being consistently around the same friends and around the same community. So yeah, that's the part that I would say was definitely challenging. And I got to face a lot of the loneliness inside of me. Like that definitely came up. I, I had some some challenging times on the road of just feeling like I, I wanted a home, but I didn't know where that was and loving the freedom, but wanting companionship, but also feeling very selective about who I would want to travel with and just kind of in this in between of like, ah, I want people around, but 
I want a very specific dynamic. <laughs> so yeah, pros and cons for sure. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I was I was curious because I know uh, I've I've this is my first time ever living alone, like very like newly, like been oh, here alone yeah. for like a week, and I'm just like, it's weird because I like don't know how to function on my own sometimes I like not not to say that like I can't do things because I can like I'm here I'm alive (laughs) my my life is being sustained but I definitely get bored (laughs) you know I feel like I get bored and uh I'm not the best at obviously I started this podcast to talk to people because I love talking to people and I love people and I love being around people but it's really sometimes I am just sitting there in my boredom and it's like it's hard for me to tell myself too sometimes when I'm alone, like, well, what else is there to do other than work? Cause I know if I just work constantly, I'm going to burn out and I have to force myself like, no, like you can sit in silence by yourself and like, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like having those reminders that, you know, it's not only is it fine, but it's probably important and it's probably healthier than uh constant social interaction 24 7 to actually sit with you know your own self yeah and speaking of that I know that you kind of operate um your artwork and your design projects um in like a very positive energy and like a very specific way to yourself um and I know from personal experience a lot of that has to do with having a really strong, healthy mindset. Um, and so I was curious if you could elaborate on what uh, a healthy mindset, a positive mindset looks like to you and how you maintain this during challenging or draining moments and how that impacts your creative work. Mm, yeah, beautiful. Hmm. I would say that what is my anchor is just feeling that purpose that I'm driven by. The the whole purpose and intention behind the work that I do that really drives me is I have I am so grateful to have been able to create my dream life and business after feeling so shut down creatively, so unfulfilled, like just so disconnected from who I was and then being able to rebuild my life essentially and Now I really desire to support other people in that process too. And so that really drives me this, this desire and inspiration to help other people create their dream life and business to support that and to be able to really be doing what, what they love overall every day since we spend so much time at work, generally, I feel that it's so important to be spending that time doing something fulfilling. And so, yeah, I would say what really helps me stay positive and trusting in the process, even when times are hard, is just remembering why I'm doing this. Because even if something's really frustrating, or say I have a client who's in a bad mood and like they're giving me a hard time or yeah, something goes wrong in the project, I am able to stay connected to my desire to help them and to the best of my ability and just continue to show up in that way. And so 
yeah, that. And I would say looking back to on my life and the progress, it can be so easy to get caught up in to stay caught up in like, what's the next thing I want to accomplish? What's my next goal? Where am I headed? Where am I not yet that I want to be? And I find it really helpful and important to be continually reminding myself to also look back and see how far I've come. Because, yeah, it's like we can have these goals and then get there and forget to even celebrate that we've done it because we're just focused on the next thing. And I have these moments of like, wait a minute, I'm exactly where I only dreamed and hoped of being years ago and so yeah I find that piece really important too yeah I I'm a little bit biased as a brand designer but I definitely I relate and I think it's incredibly important for all creatives to constantly have the passion and like your why behind why you're doing what you're doing because and I've said this like a million times over on this podcast but like being a creative in a world that doesn't always fully respect us is is and can be incredibly difficult at times and it's part of why I I love being a brand designer especially at like this moment in history when we have so many things massively changing and we have this like great resignation of people leaving their 9 to 5s and like going out and starting like businesses and and taking control of their own life and not just doing something because their whole life they were told you know, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to get like a regular job that I don't really like for money. And that's what everybody does. So that's what I'm supposed to do. And nobody really loves what they do. And I feel like brand designers are really like, almost in a way, like, I feel like we're kind of pioneering that and being like, not only do you not have to live like that, but you can do something that you love. And like, we can help you make it super freaking cool. And like, (laughs) look, look beautiful. And like, it's just amazing. And it's so it's incredible to see all of the different like designers that I've met, like in in that industry. It's just incredible because everybody has like, such different strengths. And like, it's just everybody has like their own style and their own thing that they do. And it's just it's so cool to like, look and see all of these people who have this like really strong capability to just help other people like follow their dream and and do it so successfully to where they have a life that they love and that they're helping people. It's like a I've described it as people to people that like the, like this before and like some people were like yeah that kind of makes sense. So like when you're lighting the um the candles on like a birthday cake, it's like it's like the brand strategists and the brand designers and the people that want to help others live their dream life we're like the lighters and then they're the first candle and then they are lighting other candles with themselves and it's just like that's how I picture it and every time like I I feel like I'm struggling a little bit as a creative like as as somebody who makes something from nothing it doesn't matter really if you're a brand designer or not whatever whatever it is that you're making that's exactly what you're doing because you're the lighter you're making the art and then the art is lighting other people up and it's just 
incredible. So fun. Yes, I love it. Yeah, that's a beautiful analogy. It's like creating this ripple effect. Like we're helping people help people who help people and (laughs) we're all changing the world together. And yeah, that's what that's how I went from art, like purely art into brand design, because I realized I found this world of brand design and realized it was that perfect combination for me of being an artist and creating art and create creative projects for people while also helping them in really tangible, practical, like real life ways where it's directly changing their life and helping them live how they want to live. So yeah, I think it's such a beautiful, sweet spot we have here. Yeah, I I completely agree. I feel like it took me a while too because I when I first started my business, um kind of similar to you like when you started with with pet portraits, when I started my business, I like I knew that I was, you know, a good artist. I had been a a corporate designer for years. People who listen to this podcast regularly will probably not want me to elaborate on that because they already know, <laughs> but um coming from that background of of design already i was just like i i know like i have this skill and i love it and i know that it can really help people but i didn't really even know where to start and now here i am like a couple years later and i feel like i've really gotten a completely different perspective on it and i can feel like i genuinely am like helping people and making a real difference in the world and like together i feel like as designers I feel like a lot of people just think of of this as a job but I feel like the the brand design community specifically like I feel like we really are making a huge impact on the world and like the new normal of like bringing all of these people from you know corporate hell into like their their dream career where they can have this freedom and work for themselves and help others so it's it's exciting I love talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. It feels so huge. Like we are helping people with, honestly, in my biased opinion, the most important piece of starting and running a business. It's like Mm -hmm. sales and branding and marketing. I mean, if you don't nail that, you don't really have a business. (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's beautiful to be able to help people solidify that ability to allow their business to really support their lives and yeah get them out of corporate prison (laughs) yeah I completely agree agree with that I I just think I don't know I I I fully I feel like as brand designers like you got to believe like what you're doing but I guess like I I nerd out over it (laughs) but I wanted to ask you we kind of we talked about this a little bit earlier in your connection to nature and how important it is to you and how important it is to your your creative process. And I was wondering if you could explain how uh, your connection to nature influences the aesthetics. I know you kind of said, oh, well, you can tell like where I was based on like the illustration that I make because it kind of reflects like the nature that's around me. But I was wondering if you could kind of elaborate on how the connection to nature influences like the aesthetics and the themes that you incorporate into your designs and also how that process works with specifically branding projects. Like, do you use the influence of the nature around you within branding projects or do you feel like that's not 
appropriate depending on like the brand and the business like how do you how do you utilize that for uh for branding projects specifically yeah so I feel like with branding projects it it's more of a subconscious influence because like I shared earlier I've cultivated this style of illustration and design where just the shapes and lines and textures that I tend to use are initially inspired by nature. And yet now they're just kind of part of like my inner creativity. And so, yeah, I, it definitely depends on the project that said the clients and businesses that I tend to attract are, I think of every single, almost everyone has been a very natural, like nature, inspired kind of brand anyway so it it works out and I would say too that yeah if I feel if I ever feel stuck on a design of what kind of shape or arrangement to put something in I will look to nature because something that feels very special about the connection between art and nature for me is how I really feel influenced and inspired by how nature it's almost like organized chaos that somehow just looks perfect. <laughs> you know, like if you if there's symmetry, but it's imperfect symmetry and it's this yeah, it's this perfectly imperfect kind of style that all goes together somehow and that's how I really tend to design and create. I can do more minimalistic and structured design if I have to, but I would say my specialty is like, yeah, making something look asymmetrical and funky and fun and more playful, but still somehow look put together. And yeah, I would say it, nature teaches me how to do that. <laughs> like if you picture a flower they're symmetrical but they're they're imperfect at the same time and there's something so beautiful about that to me yeah have you have you ever um researched like or done any reading on like sacred geometry mm, yeah for sure i love i love it <laughs> yeah it's very nature is crazy because like you can literally uh, and I encourage anyone listening to this who's like, what the heck is sacred geometry? I encourage you to just do like a quick little Google search and just like look and you'll see that there is geometry that shows up within nature. Like if you look at, you know, like a snowflake or like a leaf or like literally pretty much anything like natural, like has that like these like perfect like shapes and patterns within it. It kind of just reminded me of like what you were describing. So I wanted yeah. to bring it up because it's definitely one of my little special interests that me I too. like to read about. Yeah, no, it definitely is like fits into what I'm getting at for sure. It's really cool how nature has these consistent patterns throughout. It's amazing. And I have you ever seen those photos where it'll be like zoomed in? picture of mycelium network and then it's very very zoomed out photo of the universe and it's like <laughs> looks yes. it's like the same kind of pattern it's crazy <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. It's it like it really gets you thinking too, because like I know haters will say it's a coincidence, but right. it's just it's <laughs> it's still like it's still even even if that's so I don't know if I believe in coincidences or not, but yeah. I think it's really cool. Yeah. So it's something without without needing an explanation. <laughs> exactly. Magic I like I said, magical thinking, my yeah. jam. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um and something else that is my jam. I'm getting that. I'm getting worse as the episode goes on with my transitions into new questions. Something else that is my jam is building strong relationships with clients. Uh, <laughs> we love that. <laughs> so uh, I I know how important that is uh, as a brand designer myself to build those strong relationships with clients. And I know how crucial it is in the world of design and branding because um, in a lot of people too, I, actually I was just, I was a guest on this this show. I think I I don't know if it's also a podcast or if it's just on this like TV network, but it's called Bathrobe Moments on E360 TV and it was a live show, so you guys already missed it, sorry. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I was a guest and he was asking me, you know, all of these questions and I also I was on another podcast and someone asked me too like how how does your onboarding process like does that deter people from working with you because i was explaining they were like tell me about your onboarding process right and as a brand designer i'm sure you have a similar onboarding process where you have to ask your client a ton of questions to get to know them and to get to know their business and to get to know their foundation and what their goals are because that's like duh like that's crucial to design you can't just make something without knowing that stuff yeah and one of one of the people on i believe it was the podcast that i was a guest on recently he like just couldn't wrap his head around why i couldn't just make something and he was like this huh. has to deter deter people from working with you that they have to go through like you know this lengthy questionnaire and all of these questions and then they have to send you a pinterest mood board isn't that a lot of work when they're the ones paying you to do the work and i was like it's meant to deter people who are asking the questions that you're asking because they don't understand the value (laughs) and the value and how important and crucial it is to know that information. So I wanted to bring that up because I feel like it's relevant to this question that I'm about to ask you because (laughs) I know for a fact that I very strategically kind of try to deter people who don't really care about the strategy and like the effectiveness of their design work and they don't want to have to sit down and you know answer questions and give me the information that I need I try to deter those people from working with me from the jump and it's like a strategic move on my part because anybody who doesn't see the value in strategic design like is not a good fit for me personally but I was wondering for you and your process and your onboarding process, um, when you're building those relationships with your clients and because, you know, we want to help them. So how do you approach understanding and translating your clients, their goals for their business, but also incorporating their vision for what they're, they want while still infusing your uh, unique artistic style and doing what you do best into your work while keeping in mind, like, what they want. Yeah, that's a great question. First and foremost, I practice really deep listening. Like I just 
first step when getting to know a client is I am in full, deep listening mode and not yet focused on like, okay, how am I going to do this? The problem solving part of it, but I'm just fully in like wanting to understand them and what's going on in their world and what their vision is and what, what they really want to trying to dig deeper to what is, what are they truly trying to get out of this project? Um, I feel that's a really important piece because it feels to me like as the service provider and as the expert in branding, it is my role to help help business owners that I'm potentially going to work with um, get more clear on what like what they actually really need support with because we're the ones who understand branding and what can help them reach their goals. And so oftentimes clients will think that they need one thing, but what they really want is just like the solution to something. And then I can, once I really understand what they are really wanting to achieve, sometimes it becomes clear like, oh, actually this is a better solution for you. So yeah, I would say that deep listening and really, really making sure I understand what they're trying to accomplish. And then for the visual design aspect of it, I mean, as you know, like I go into a lot of strategy first before getting to that point, And I help them see and understand the importance of really knowing who they're trying to target and focus more on like the vibe that they're trying to create. So yeah, then going into more of like the energy of the project first as well, before we even get to the design um, and get them to describe to me, you know, like I want my brand to feel comforting or inspiring or bold and yeah, getting more deep into the feeling that we're trying to convey and making sure it's strategic. And I I find that that often, once I help clients get more clear on that, sometimes it'll even change their vision because they realize that what they thought that they wanted the brand to look like actually isn't going to accomplish what they are intending to create. And then when we finally get to the visual design, yeah, I find Pinterest mood boards so helpful because it can be really difficult to describe a visual vision with words, right? (laughs) It's like, Mm -hmm. it's like that phenomenon that tends to be talked about in trippy conversations of like, if you didn't know what the sense of sight was like. I couldn't explain it to you. It's like, it's almost impossible to describe a different sense without using that sense. And so I find that the Pinterest mood boards are really imperative because they'll be describing something to me, but then when I actually see the photos they choose, I'm like, oh, wow, that is not, (laughs) that is not what I was hearing when they were describing that. So yeah, using pictorial communication feels huge because then you can look at it together and be like, we're seeing the same thing. And so we're, we're really on the same page now. And then the way that I incorporate my style into what they're wanting is, yeah, solidifying everything that's like a must have for them 
whether it be fonts or colors or a certain style and committing to that. And then there's almost always gaps in the vision. And that's where I fill in with my suggestions and my style um, and build around the foundation and the starting point that they created. And so to get specifics, sometimes I'll add suggested photos to their Pinterest folders. Like I'll make my own folder and say, here's Indigo's suggestions. And then they can add what feels resonant with them. So it's collaborative and giving like suggesting some of my ideas and style and then allowing them to choose if that feels like it resonates for them. And uh, yeah, it's worked well so far. I also would say then after that, when it really comes down to designing, I, I've been leaning more and more into using my intuition and trusting mm-hmm. that. And that has felt wild. That's felt edgy, right? Because of course, I want to do a good job and make sure that the client likes it. And I'm like, it feels it, it, the first time I did it, it felt risky because I was like, shouldn't I be thinking really hard about this? <laughs> But yeah, then I, the more and more I do it, the more I see that that works so well. Like the last project I had for branding, the client wasn't fully clear on what she wanted and I just went for it. And I, I felt like I could feel the feeling of what we were trying to create. And then I just used intuition and, and like the flow state of creativity to turn it into a visual And I sent it to her and she was just like, I don't know how you did this, but you pulled this right out of my mind and my heart. Like, I didn't even know what was in there and what that was going to look like, but this is it. And so it's really cool to see too that like at the end, once we did all the practical steps, trust fall into intuition is is working out really well. Yeah, I definitely I I use my intuition with clients too. It's crazy and I I feel like a lot of designers feel like they'll argue that they don't. Yeah. But I've I've had like crazy experiences before too like I I had this this client and I was like struggling to come up with a a concept that she liked because she had so many different ideas wanted all of these different things you know incorporated and so my dad's also a designer and sometimes I'll go to him for like a consult and I'll be like do you have anything like do you get any like hits off of all of this these things that you know she's she's wanting like immediately and he was like oh let me sketch something out and so he did this little sketch and it was crazy because the he made like out of the letters this like roof because they were getting a physical location and that was part of like what was really important to her was like we have to include something about this physical location and the business is called was called the spot and so it was like a location yeah. <laughs> and so he did this cool thing in the sketch where he turned the s and the p into this roof we'd never seen the building before that they got after i sent the client you know, the sketch that my dad did. And I said, what do you think of, you know, this concept? And she freaked out because she was like, how did you know what the roof looked like? I never sent you the picture. And she sent me a picture of the physical location and their roof had that exact, the way that he sketched it out, it looked exactly the same. And it was a pretty unique, like looking roof. It had like these, 
I don't even know what they're called, but it had like these like tapered lines on it. And it was very surreal because I guarantee you if I asked my dad, well, do you do you like take in like intuitive hits? I, he'd probably say no. But I think <laughs> a lot of designers use their intuition and like yeah. literal psychic abilities, like without even realizing because yeah. they're just think like a lot of people who have like intuitive hits, they come in the same way that a thought or an idea would come in. And mm -hmm. so it's just, I, I wanted to share that story because it felt relevant, but. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I love that story. Yeah, I I still, like, I still think about it. I'm like, that was really weird. Yeah. <laughs> I wish so I, cool. I wish I would have thought of it because I that would have been, I would have told people I was a psychic, but I, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was, it was my dad. <laughs> you'll have your, you'll have your time. I, I know I'll have my moment. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep trying my best. Yeah, trying awesome. to, it's hard too, though, when you're like actively trying to use your intuition, that's not usually when it turns on. Right, <laughs> so. right. It's like you have to let it, let it all go. <laughs> So I do have one more question for you. I try to ask everyone this at the end of the episode because I think it's super important. And I was just wondering if there's any one piece of advice that you would give to either your past self or like someone who's on a similar journey that you've kind of been on like yourself like five, 10 years ago. What would you, what, what advice would you tell them in regards to your career as a creative from a version of you or someone else who's in like a similar boat as when you first started out. Yeah. Ooh. What I immediately heard when you were asking this question was speaking of intuition <laughs> was follow what lights you up mm. because that points towards the things that you will have the most energy and inspiration and natural motivation to do. And it's like it can seem impractical, especially when we were taught by society that creativity is worthless and not a safe thing to follow. It can feel impractical or like logic takes over and tells us not to follow what lights us up, but follow what we think is going to make us money and be responsible and whatnot and through my experience I've come to see that following what lights us up is like the most direct and efficient and streamlined path to getting where we want to go and yeah like I was gonna say from a from even just a practical explanation if when we're doing what lights us up, we it's so much easier to focus. It's so much easier to show up and be really helpful. It's so much easier to have your heart in what you're doing, which results in better outcomes. And also people can feel your inspiration and your passion about, about things. And that helps build trust and helps people see that you can really help them. And so... Yeah, what we're naturally inspired to do and what we're naturally good at is where we can naturally help people the most and, in my opinion, make the most money. It's like backwards from what we were taught. So that's what I, I would say. <laughs> I completely agree. That's such good advice. I feel like everybody, everybody that listens to this podcast should definitely be following that. I, I would hope that's amazing. So we are 
right there at an hour. So I do want to give you a few minutes to tell everybody who's listening to this where they can find you, how they can support you, or literally anything else that you want to promote. The floor is yours. And as always, to everyone who's listening to this, uh, the links to everything will be in the episode description for easy access. So uh, self-promo time. I still need to, I keep saying I'm going to make like a song. But I don't know how to do that. Like I need to pay someone to do it because I don't know how to do that. But I need to make like a self-promo time song. But anyway, floor floor is yours. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thanks so much for having me on. This was a really fun conversation. Yeah, no problem. So my business name is Indigo Marigold Design. And the main services I offer are visual branding. So visual brand design with strategy and guidance. Um, Brand coaching. So that can be combined with the visual brand design, or it can just be utilized on its own for anyone who might not be ready to make the big investment in their own brand and wants to do it themselves, but wants guidance for the strategy and the focus behind it and accountability to help them do it themselves, but still make it professional and effective for their brand and get clarity on who you help and how to really communicate your gifts. I feel like that can be such a challenge for so many of us creatives. Like we know that the work that we do is amazing, but how do we actually talk about it and sell it really? So I love helping people with that and helping people just really own all the value that they have to offer and communicate it with the world. And then I also offer eco-friendly packaging and merch design. So I offer the design and then also consultation on how to choose more eco-friendly materials to be printed on, whether it's packaging or yeah, merchandise like apparel and whatnot, really trying to help reduce the amount of plastic that's produced in the world. That's one of my side missions. <laughs> And yeah, so if you want to follow me on Instagram, that's my main platform. I share a lot of good branding tips that can help you improve your brand on your own, even without working with me. My Instagram handle is indigo, like the color, marigold, like the flower design. And then I also have another Instagram for my eco-friendly art shop, gift shop that I'm relaunching this this holiday season and it's called the bippity bop shop (laughs) it's like fairy themed so yeah that's another thing you can check out if you're interested in having a resource for eco-friendly gifts this holiday season and then the last thing i'll share is that i just created a free guide for like free five clear steps on how to really create a brand that connects with people and impacts the world in a positive way and also makes you money so if you want to download that, you can go to indigomarigold.com slash free. And yeah, that's about it. If anyone feels inspired by this episode and wants to reach out to me or Kate with comments or share insights that came through, I'd love to keep the conversation going. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Indigo, for coming on. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. If you do want to keep the conversation going, the absolute best place to do that is on the podcast Instagram account. There's going to be plenty of posts related to this episode. 
that we will both be tagged in. So we'll both see it. So if you want to do that, that's probably, you know, the best place. But yeah, if again, thank you Indigo for coming on. And thank you to everyone who made it this far into the episode. As always, uh, the Artwise podcast support links are in the episode description. And I would appreciate it if you would tell a creative friend about us who you think uh, would enjoy the podcast. So that's about it for this episode. Um, thank you again, everyone for listening. And thank you again, Indigo for coming on. And I will see all of you guys with a new episode next Tuesday. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks, Kate. Thank you.